Today on The Breakdown, the new versus the old, the people with long hair versus the bald, the young guy versus the slightly less, less young guy. It's Charlie Carroll against Patrick Antonius. And guess what? It's not just anywhere, and it's not just for peanuts, people. It's a 25K six max event from, I think it was from the Triton series. Yeah, in fact, it was. It's a turbo event also. And let me just say, Charlie Carroll ain't going to make it easy on Pretty Pat this time. Tennis Pat. Stan Pat. Patrick. We're going to talk about it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. As you get older, I become concerned that these little things that you do are indicative of some sort of deterioration. Be careful what you say. Deterioration of your brain areas. This is how I always have been. I just do you have? How does your amygdala feel recently? Is it okay? I'm just a little lateral lateral lobe. Doing okay. A little less interested in censoring myself. You know, it's like let's say that thing. Let's say the thing, you know, and then I often don't know what the thing is until it comes out of my mouth, which is part of the fun. I just let the wild horses run and they go where they go. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful. It's nature in action. You know, it's like watching the, the dead carcass of the squirrel time lapse into like bones and then just eventually just into the grass. <laughs> See, that's another example of it. That's a good, <laughs> though you make really, there's prescient points all the time. Um, there was something I did like from your opening though. Oh. The long hair is versus the balds. I don't feel like we have enough contests like that. <laughs> as true. As short to medium hairs over here, we get to just observe as they fight it out. That's great. Yeah, the, the oncoming race war between <laughs> the long <laughs> hairs and the balds is going to be really interesting. We're going to be Switzerland, you know, yeah. which is most of us, but still. It's you know, like the NBA has tried stuff like USA versus the world and stuff. They should mm-hmm. just do the long hairs versus the balds. There might not be enough long hairs. They might just have to do the hairs versus the balds because there's plenty of bald NBA players. The question is, where does a guy like LeBron stand? I mean, he's technically bald. He's a hair. Bald (sighs) means like the... Okay. It's like uh, there could be stubble, but there has to be able to be sheen on the head. Sheen, that's The sheen is the defining characteristic of a bald. It's like Joseph from Poker Time, right? He's got a nice sheen Yeah, but you can see that there's a little stubble still. But he's got a sheen. This is a sheen. Yeah, yeah, it's a shiny head. So who uh, who suggested this hand? Uh, we got Yanis Selenidis, who I think is a bald based on his picture on Twitter. Oh, let's um, be careful about he might, which... He might not be. I better look. <laughs> which group you're putting people in there. Uh, Harrist. He might not be um, He might not be a bald. I don't know. Um, so Yanis Selenidis has been really crushing it. I was going to say, this guy is working his way up the ranks. Yeah. Then we've got the old uh, other guys who... I, wow. O.V. Kenobi, which I think is some sort of, sort of play on the old uh, Star Trek. Or or oh. it's not. Is it like OV1? Is there a one in there? There's somehow? three I's. OV, I-I-I, and then Kenobi spelled exactly how you spell Kenobi from... Maybe, maybe from George Lucas stole that Battlestar from this guy's Galactica. family. Battlestar Galactica. That's yeah. good. It's good stuff. Uh, and Mark Matson. So we got Giannis and a couple of noobs. Yeah, Mark Matson. I think both these two guys are legit first-timers, right? I think so. Wow. So uh, you're taking the rookies out for a little spin there, eh, Giannis? <laughs> taking the rookies out for a spin. Yeah. Buying them uh, some ice cream. Yeah. Patting them on the back saying, boy." So I'm looking at Twitter to find out if Giannis yeah. is a bald or not. Um, he is. Can we? He's can not really. Can we have a more interesting discussion about Giannis than that, which is where is Giannis 
in the firmament. Oh, we can't start that discussion. Where is Giannis? He's too young. His career is too young. So we not, don't we don't not, know yet. Okay, so yeah. you, okay. Is he an all-star this year for 2019? Uh yeah, I think he I Whoa. think he might be like a second year player who makes the all-star team. He's, a, he's certainly in the running. He's yeah. legit in the running, and I think he's probably gonna get there. Yeah. But it's, it's gonna come down to like you know late voting on stuff. Like so that. anyway, while looking at Twitter, I discovered something else kind of important as well. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, because uh, a couple of weeks ago we had a discussion on this podcast about what is better between a croissant and an English muffin. <laughs> I yes, am we did. firmly, firmly in the croissant camp. Yes, you and Jonathan are. is for some reason in the English muffin camp. And we've now gotten two responses, both croissants. So feels good. We got I mean, uh, Nicholas Anastadius, weak human, saying croissants. That other thing is just bread. Of course, that's true. Mark Testart, true Hall of Famer, says he's definitely on Team Grant. The croissant is, is vastly superior to the English muffin. He's at least a true Hall of Famer. I'll give you that. So it seems like the opinions of the masses are going with the old uh, team Grant. Maybe just wow. So two people is now the opinions of the masses. That's sad. Keep bringing them in, sad. people. Let's see anybody pick English muffin who's not basically living under a rock. Never yeah. had a croissant. You know what? Me and the rock people are going to win. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey, um, let's do one other piece of business while we're here talking about the the suggestors and, the and, and all the important things in the world. Yeah. So Holden Cantrell recently tweeted at us. I'd like to know where I stand compared to Ben Page and Max Sawyer. Am I third? Am I just a Hall of Famer, but way behind? This is what we have wrought. I mean, it's this a kind problem. of question. This is, a, this is problematic because um, I, it's hard to know. I feel like my opinion changes with the wind. Well, you let, know? Me, let me say something without question. You are absolutely not third, Holden Cantrell. <laughs> you, are, you are not top three. You we don't, think, you. You don't think Holden Cantrell can sniff the top three? We're not talking about sniff. He's saying, am I third? And the answer is no. Brian with a Y is clearly third. I think I have to disagree. What? Brian with a Y was like Gail Sayers. You know, he had like an incredible career. Yeah. But it was very short. It was not very short. It just feels short now because it's been five years of podcasting. He had like a solid year and a half, two year oh, run. Oh, yeah, year and a half. It's like Gail Sayers, like four years of being great. Four, it, and then I he did. tore his ACL before they knew how to fix 40% it. 40% of, of the entire time he dominated the league. How is he not a top three? Okay, please continue. Is Gail Sayers point. a top three running back of all time? Because he dominated the league for four years. Right. How long has the league been going on? Has it been going for five years? Like, I mean, it's a pretty it's been good... going on for like 60 years. Look, it's tough to find perfect analogies. There's also analog- 32 running it's backs. It's tough to find perfect analogies, but I feel like that's a decent one. <laughs> it is not at all. It's a terrible analogy. Gail Sayers, was Gale, does anyone think Gail Sayers was the best player in the league for two years straight or three years straight? I don't know if they I did. I think they did. I have no idea. I don't People I don't know, thought like he was this, really good. Was that's all I know. Who yeah. fucking knows? No one has plenty Anyway. Cool. We I, were around for the Brian with the Y era. Yeah, if you if you guys, I am offended that you don't <laughs> think he's obviously top three. I Hope, think holding control's only question he should be asking is, "Do I sneak onto the Mount Rushmore?" And you know what? I'm not sure, Holden. I think he's. I in, can't say. I think he's in the conversation. Sure, that's an easy cop out answer because you never want to upset anyone. Yeah, he's in the conversation. So he, if, we, if he's it, sniffing the top <laughs> three, I know this podcast is often <laughs> historically quite contentious between Jonathan and I, yeah. and uh, I'm I must say I think it might get worse. In that way, so hopefully you like that stuff because yeah. we've got a new setup where we're now sitting across a table from each other. Yeah. Whereas we used to like recline in chairs and kind of be in a relaxed physical space. Now we're kind of in like a heads up poker yeah. match way of talking. It's like we're it's like we're um, at odds in like a big uh, arbitration or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So know, this mediation. might just this yeah. might just get worse and worse. Or yeah, it's, it's depending good, on your on your opinion, maybe better and better. Yeah. You know, people like it when when people fight. Yeah. 
Everyone loves that. Yeah. Look at YouTube. I mean, look at the MMA situation. Exactly. Look at boxing. It's still sort of popular. I mean, Floyd May- Mayweather makes like $400 million for spitting on Manny a... Manny freaking Pacquiao thing. isn't poor. I mean, come on. <laughs> that guy's supposed to be poor, of course. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't mean it like that. Please continue. Yeah, maybe we should talk about the hand. Okay. Let's get to the hand. All right. So thanks for the suggestion, guys. Of course, that was on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter. You can find us. And if you can't, then get the hell out of my office. You know what I'm saying? Nice. I wish I had an office. That's the one thing I miss. I mean, you basically have an office right now. You're sitting at it. I'm just, ki- your my, apartment is my office. This kitchen table. Kitchen table office. We okay. do. We have had Poker Guys HQ in the past. We may have it again, but currently we're doing this podcast at my... At my it's my dining room table, actually. It's not my kitchen table. What was Poker Guys HQ that was like a legit office? Um, well, remember we were going to do... I can't believe we're doing this on an air. Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, remember we were going to do it all at Meadows, and we're going to use the oh, back yeah. room for podcasting and everything. And, oh. and we actually shot... We shoot video there do, and all that kind of stuff. If, if, anything, is, if anything is Poker Guys HQ, it's Portland Meadows. Anyway. Yeah. That was a really fascinating minute. Sorry, everyone. I think it was fascinating. 30K is the big blind. Okay. There's uh, 28 players remaining in 117-player field, so we are close to the money, but we're not really like... Probably on, two tables. Get yeah, paid. something like that. Um, and... The format is turbo, and I don't know if we've done hands from turbos before, but it's possible that that I mean it should affect some decisions, and it may affect decisions in this hand. Sure, a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's let's get into it and find it out. Will. All right. So with a thirty k big blind, big blind any of course folds around to Charlie Carroll, who is in the small blind. He's got one point one million in front of him, so that's probably one of the bigger stacks if it's a turbo. Thirty k big blind, like thirty seven blinds. Yeah, uh, he's got eight four offsuit, eight of spades, four of clubs. Not the bell of the ball, this hand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, he's going to raise anyway to 80K on Antonius's big blind. Antonius has 575K in front of him. What do you think just about the idea of raising to 80K from the small blind with 8-4 off when the big blind has less than 20 blinds? Okay. Um, I kind of like it, actually. For my, my initial instinct would be to say I don't like it, but actually I do kind of like it because... Because Patrick only has 20 blinds, he's going to be less inclined to want to just call. He's going to be in more in like uh, fold or shove mode, I think. Not to say he's never going to call. Of course, he's going to call with some hands, but he's going to call less. I think that's changing yeah. like, uh, among good players. There's a lot more calling out of the big blind with you know 12 to 20 blind stacks than there used to be. Sure, but, but still, there's hands I think that he just can't call. If they were significantly deeper, he would. You know, I think it's just true. Like ace jack off type hands, which he might sometimes just call. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's a, that's a hand he's going to shove a lot, though. There's a lot of hands I think he's going to fold that he otherwise oh. might have called with. You know, like if he's got nine, seven off, is he really going to call for maybe you know, 15% of a stack? I'm not sure. I think he might. He might, but it's not clear. I think right? he's supposed to. Okay, fine. Nine five off. He's probably folding though, right? That one is a probable fold. Nine six off is close. Yeah, like so. Those are hands he's definitely calling if they're deeper. But yeah. this way, Charlie doesn't have to shove on Patrick and get snapped sometimes. And you know what I mean? He, do you, do but, you think eighty k is big enough? Well, that's the that's that's what part of this is all about in my head. I think because Patrick is this short, maybe eighty k is okay. Um, maybe that's the only reason why it would be okay. Otherwise, I definitely would want it to be more like 110, 120. I feel like he has kind of a perfect stack size where we can size it up a bit and give him a more binary decision. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if we make it 105K, it becomes like most hands have to be shove or fold if you're Patrick at that point. And that might be what we want to do instead of play out of position against a great player who's going to have some calls when we make it 80K. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate your point, actually. That, that does seem reasonable. Um, as Charlie, we have to then play a whole bunch of hands like this. 
you know, like hands that we might want to, well, we might want to shove. It's harder to shove on some of those hands because if we're going to be raising hands like this to 80K, you know, we need, we have to sort of open and uh, call off with, with a bunch of those hands. Sort of sucks. Yeah. I mean, it is very dependent on the stack size, of course, and the stack size scenario is not going to be happening all the time. But, mm-hmm. but Patrick having about 20 blinds could be happening when we're six handed. Sure. They, they may run into this. In fact, Lex actually had mentioned that Charlie's raising this way. He raised it from the small blind to the big blind earlier with seven deuce. So wow. he's, he's just like attacking. There, yeah. Which is interesting. Kind of the uh, same but different strategy as Manic Loser had in the EPT Monte Carlo that he ended up winning, right? Um, where we saw him limp with terrible hands out of the small blind. And it's like, why would you want to play that hand? Charlie's deciding to play the terrible hands, but as raises. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going it's to, a, it's a turbo. I'm just going to, maybe not it's a turbo. I'm just deciding to try and like win every time it folds to me. And it's probably going to work. It's probably a profitable way to do it, honestly. Like I would think you're going to, sometimes you're raised and you're just going to take it down. Sometimes you're raised, you're going to win more on the flop. Sometimes you're going to raise, you know, get called in the flop and win more later. Sometimes you're going to have the best hand. Too like it doesn't all have to be bluffs. Isn't it great when you're in a tournament and you're in a spot where like chips really matter? You know the pre-flop winning is pretty sweet, and you have a spot where like you raise small to big, and a dude shows you jack ten and folds, and you're like, oh my god, it's gonna be like this all day. I like it when they fold bigger hands than that. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, it's always a great feeling. It is. It's a wonderful. Feeling. Anyway, this is not a dude who's gonna do that. It's Patrick Antonius. He's got 575k in front of him, so 19 blinds. Um, what should his ranges be? Do you think, as far as shoving, calling, and folding? Hmm, that is an interesting question. I think Patrick should be looking to shove a fair amount of hands here. Any ace? Pretty much any ace. I think suited kings are reasonable shoves. Not maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. King certainly king nine plus. I'd yeah. be shoving without really thinking about it. If Charlie's raising every time, I'm sh- I'm shoving more suited kings than mm-hmm. that too. Maybe down to like king five suited. Yeah. Uh, maybe all of them. Uh, queen nine suited. I think is a pretty easy shove here. Is that not a call candidate? It's a candidate for a call, but I think because our stack is small enough. We pick up four blinds, basically. We pick up 20%, more than 20% of our stack. I, I mean, no, but that folds. argument doesn't really hold when we're trying to make three separate ranges for this specific scenario. You're just saying you would always shove instead of saying, like, you're basically saying you have no calls when you say that. Um, no, there's a lot of, well, we were just saying, there's like you're saying 9-7 you think is a call, right? So there's a lot of hands that oh. are going to be calls. Yeah. We need to mix in some good hands that are going to be calls, but not too many when we're this short. Yeah. We probably want to have a few aces that are calls so that way we can cover the board. You know what I mean? Um, like we don't want an ace to flop, and there's no way we can ever have an ace if we if we, it doesn't flop that often. It's okay. I mean, Charlie's <laughs> going to destroy us if, if we if we never have an ace here, and we do have a bunch of calls, right? Yeah. Um, but I think we mostly have shoves. I think we've got a lot of shoves, some some calls and some folds. What do you think about king six offsuit? I guess that, that feels like a pretty straightforward flat and a really unhappy flat. And what makes it a straightforward flat to you rather than a shove? Because you have to play the hand, right? Right. That's why it's unhappy because yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna play the hand, but we're in position against Charlie who's raising everything. It's an easy it's an easy non fold. Um, so. we could decide to we could decide to move in with it because we've got a king blocker and Charlie's raising everything. Yeah. That's fine. Um, at the same point, remember we were saying like we want to be able to ha- cover some of the aces on the board. We also want to be able to cover some of the kings, sure. the king flops. I'd rather call with the kings, the suited kings, than the unsuited kings. You were you were mentioning all these suited kings, and I understand that there's like the equity 
gain of having mm-hmm. the suitedness, but it's also there's playability. So if we're going to be developing a calling range along with that, I think the playability of the suited kings is more valuable mm-hmm. in our calling range than the 3% equity of making a flush is when we're doing that in our shoving range. That's not a terrible point. It's interesting to think about. Um, you do have position, which is going to play well for a suited hand also. Yeah. You, know, you get more value and, and the like. Um, it's hard for me to think, though, that king six off is a good way to spend 20 blinds mostly. Like, I don't really want to shove this very often when I'm, Charlie opens. I don't want to shove anything ever in a tournament if I can avoid it, you know? Like, shoving means that you're low in chips. Right, but, like, <laughs> when every time we're called with a hand like this, we're just in so much terrible spots. But yeah, of course, but that's true of king five suited as well. Well, we're 3% better, and that does, that, that suddenly that starts to feel pretty good. That's a nice little 3%, you know? Like uh, yeah, it's much, just, easy, it's much easier to beat aces when you've got king five suited rather than king I'm five just off. wondering if there's more value in the playability than that 3%. Right. Because playing king six off is a lot less of a nice prospect post-flop than king six suited, right? Um, I agree. I wonder for Patrick if that doesn't, if he doesn't feel it's as important, you know, where he's like, I'm the man post-flop, like... So he's not shoving any of these things, maybe? Maybe he's not shoving king. I don't know what he's doing, but but I'm wondering if that's that's part of his consideration. You know what I mean? Well, it should be. I mean, if he really feels like he's the man post-flop, like like the best player at the table post-flop, which may or may not be the case. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either Um, anymore. But if if he is, then he should be shoving less in general, obviously. Um, Yeah, that's fair. I wonder if the turbo nature of this also would point to like we want to shove more rather than Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking because it's turbo, feels like you gotta just expand that shoving range a little bit. See, I wonder about that. Let's let's have a quick discussion about turbos for a second. Okay, okay. I want to make a disclaimer. I am no expert in turbos. Yeah. I, I don't really play turbos very much. I'm just basing this on a few thoughts. So one of them is like I've been playing a lot of hyper turbo things online the yeah. last few yeah. months, right? And um, it's gone really well. And I have not been following that strategy. Like, I have not been doing the, like, well, it's a turbo, so I'm just doing it based on uh, how many blinds I have and what's reasonable based on my blinds and not caring that it's a turbo. And watching other people, like, what I think are often bad decisions, I don't know if it's because it's a turbo or not. I'm not sure why they're doing it. But, like, does it really matter if I have 20 more minutes at this, at this level or if I have an hour and a half more at this level. Of course, it matters in like certain potential gambly spots, right? Yeah. Where it's like, uh, well, do I want to like, like I have a combo draw and we're a million blinds deep and in an hour, we're still going to be a million blinds deep. That's different than like in a minute, we're going to be down to 10 blinds. Like right, it's time to gamble, you know, like it's more, it's even more so time to gamble. I may never see a spot like this again. You know, this may be as good as it gets. Sure. Um, but Often that's not the case. Like usually you're, we're not in these very close marginal spots. Usually it's pretty pretty clear what the play is. And, and I guess I think, I, I wonder if there's that many spots where being in a turbo matters actually, like the way we're talking about it. I'm, I'm legitimately not sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hypothesizing that it doesn't matter as much as we're saying it does. It matters. And I, I think the th- thing that you hit on that does matter is like uh, opportunity. Like the opportunity cost is so much higher in a turbo. Right, because you you have so many fewer chances. It, it could represent, like one hand could represent 20% of your total opportunities in this scenario versus, you know, 4% of your total opportunities. It's a big right. difference. That's a really good point. Yeah. Also, I guess if you feel like other people are playing different because of a turbo, you might be able to adjust and take advantage of that. Now, that's sometimes hard to really know what's going on, and that may be like too many leaps of logic right. too far. But 
We're like, this guy's three betting a lot. And that may, in the turbo, maybe, who cares if it's a turbo? Then you're just like, this guy three bets a lot and you play accordingly, actually. Turbo doesn't matter then, right? Um, yeah, so opportunity, I guess, is where it matters. Where we, we can ask ourselves, well, am I going to have many good opportunities, many opportunities as good as this again? And if yeah. the answer is no, then we should be taking it. And that's where the turbo comes into play. That's fair. Right. So then the question, when leading back to this hand, becomes having a king blocker against a guy who's opening every small blind, and you know the blinds are going to go up pretty soon, no matter what. It's a turbo, and I have under 20 blinds. Is that good enough? Is this a big enough opportunity that I have the king blocker? I don't think it is. You don't think so? To me, that's we're going to have many, many more opportunities around that line in a six max, especially where people are going to fold to Charlie. And people are also not going to open very much if I've got between 15 and 20 blinds because they're worried about me three betting and so on and so forth. I don't think that's a big deal. Okay. Um, what do you think? I think it's a small deal, but not a huge deal. But I think it's a deal. Mm-hmm. I think it matters. Everything matters, bro. Mm. Or family matters. Or nothing matters. Family matters. I, I tend I tend towards the nothing matters. Anyway, anti matters. Don't say it. If you say antimatter three times, then antimatter appears. And I've already said it twice. So have I don't you touched? Be... Have you touched antimatter? That's twice for me. Have you touched it? I haven't. But you know what happens when you do? When you touch antimatter. Oh, uh, whoa! That was a close one. Holy macaroni! Do you want to find out? Because I don't think I do. But I think you do die. <laughs> I think it's worse than death. It's a fate worse than death. Do you kill everyone You're else? You're blinked too? from existence. I think everyone dies. Well, that's fine. You know, if, if I'm going to die, everybody's going to go. Also, then no one will blame me if we all die. Yeah, the same yeah, time. yeah. They won't really know what happened. Probably, they won't you know will anything. know. You'll know. But you'll, how are you, you going to know anyone. anything? You're dead. Well, maybe there's another you know realm where we'll all be together. Like in Lost. Well, what if it's a wonderful realm? Then, then you want the blame. Then I'll be like, or "You're welcome, blame. bitches." Yeah. You're all welcome. I killed y'all, and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Patrick Antonius decides to call. Maybe it's because he thinks he's the man post-flop. Maybe this is just part of the range that he wants to call I with. would guess this is uh, this hand is too good to fold, but not nearly good enough to shove. The end is my, is my actual analysis of this. Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. My actual analysis of the situation we're in right now is that it's about time to talk about nitrogen. To talk about it. Is that a... Lay me on some words, bruh. Lay me on some words. Are you asking me to buy you like a sheet for your bed that has words on it so you can lie down on it? I didn't say lay me down on some words. I said lay me on some words. No, everybody heard you. (laughs) I just don't think anybody (laughs) understands what the hell you're talking about. Oh, everybody. All right. (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them about the things. I want to tell you about something, and that is called the National Football League. Oh, nice. Nice reference there for the the hardcore people. Yeah, that's for the people who care. Uh, And if you care about the National Football League, you might have heard of survivor pools, which are a really fun way to gamble on football. Uh, It's like a season-long thing, although it never lasts the full season, where basically there's a pool of people, and every week, depending on the rules of the survivor pool, everybody picks one or two teams, and those teams have to win that week. Mm. And if those teams win that week, then you survive and move on to the next week. And basically, it's last man standing unless a deal is made, which often deals are made. Um, Although in this case, there would be no deals. In this case, there would be no deals because we're talking about nitrogen and it's going to be just like a pure, pure aspect to it. So nitrogen has survivor pools, NFL survivor pools, and they've got them all across the buy-in levels from free where they guarantee money anyway just to get you playing, which is pretty sweet, to super cheap, like I think... 
They have a tenth of a millibit, which is like a dollar buy-in. Certainly a certainly one millibit, which is ten dollars. They've got they've got buy-ins like that, all the way up to one Bitcoin buy-ins, which is ten thousand dollars worth of buy-in. I don't know and why you all ever say the price of Bitcoin in these ads when you know that the podcast itself isn't coming out for like well, this two is coming weeks. out in like two weeks. Yeah. It's oh yeah, because like Bitcoin that. never changes over the course of two <laughs> weeks. That's never happened before. People will do the math in their heads. They'll be yeah. fine. The point is, um, it's really fun. And of course, I don't know if Graham mentioned this or not. You can only take each team once in a survivor. Pool. I did not mention that. So that's that's one of the key strategic things about it and why it's a survivor pool because that's also the why. also anyone who loses dies <laughs> <laughs> but nitrogen has these really awesome survivor pools like we said you if you sign up for nitrogen use the link in the description of course of this podcast um you don't even have to put bitcoin on if you want to play the free one yeah. you can just play that for free and free roll the world basically for i think if they guarantee half a bitcoin or something like that which is oh that's pretty that's pretty significant five thousand dollars that's pretty significant yeah and then the cheap ones they guarantee they have guarantees for all of them i gotta do that free one yeah you didn't do it last year i think i forgot i, think I talked to you i think i forgot to i told it. you to do it anyway i do it every year i do i play a bunch of them actually i also pay for some of them um anyway you got to get yourself in there and get you some survival pool. Yeah, and if you use that link in the description, you'll, of course, also have access to our special poker stuff that we do with Nitrogen, which you can only get access to if you use the link in the description. Yeah, special poker stuff. Yeah, so That's you, all you'll have access to. So you got, you got real, like, normal and, and, like, did a good job explaining <laughs> survivor pools, and then your brain broke again? Or? Lay me on the words, brah. Lay me on the words, brah. <laughs> Is that your new catchphrase? That's what I'm going to get t-shirts made up and hats. If you could only have one catchphrase per yeah. year, this wouldn't even be close to in the running, right? That's a terrible catchphrase. No, that's it's not my, awful. That's my number one. What's, what's your top 2019 catchphrase? I don't know if I have one yet. I, I probably oh do, but God. I can't think of it now. It's You put me on the spot. Yeah. Well, what would it be? How about some cheese with them grits? That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Mine is, consider this a separation. <laughs> <laughs> in what context would you use that? Lot, there's so many contexts. All right, so give me an example. Okay, well, there's that an obvious poker context, right? right? Anytime you knock anyone out of a yeah. tournament, anytime anyone has to leave the table for any reason, anytime you have to leave the table, you're like, go, go you know, run to the bathroom. Yeah. Consider this a separation, and then you just go. Anytime you turn over the winning hand, okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, if you're actually breaking up with someone, perfect time. I mean, that's a good time, especially if it's like uh, you're married because separation is like the step before divorce and it's kind of like almost a technical term at that point. Underrated place to use it is the grocery store. Like if you... Like you're in like the frozen fruit aisle? I I actually can think of a scenario where like somebody's left their cart in the aisle and they're like a couple feet down and you are between (laughs) them and their cart and you put your arm out to grab something and you just look at them and you say it. Oh. You know, because your your arm is between them and the cart. Oh, you separated. You should walk, you should walk away them. with the cart. You could do that. Now you have their food. <laughs> yeah, no that they haven't food. paid for, so it doesn't it's matter. The There's no benefit to you. It's all the same. Anyway, it's let's good. get back to the hand. Okay. Um, let's let's put some cheese on these grits here, and uh, so we got eight four off right. for Charlie in the small blind. He's got eight of spades, four of clubs. He's got one point one million. Patrick with five seventy five to start the hand has king of hearts, six of clubs in the big blind. He has called the eighty k raise. The pot is one hundred and ninety k. Okay. The flop is Jack of Diamonds, Nine of Spades, Six of Hearts. It's kind of a crappy scenario for Charlie because this is a board that hits so much of any range. Like, you're, so many hands have a piece of this, mm-hmm. you know? And if you're expecting Antonius to shove all his weak aces, that means, like, even a higher major, a higher piece of his range at least has a gut shot on this board. Sure. You know? So do you think you should bet? And if so, how do you think you should size it? 
I think you should bet even though it sort of sucks, and I don't disagree with you. Um, so you said there's 230 in the pot? 190. 190 in the pot. I don't think we need to size it super big or anything like that. Um, I feel like Jack 9-6, I like, I like a slightly bigger than the normal, like 90 to 100, somewhere in there. What do you think? I like big. I was wondering if we should go big, big. Like, oh, yeah. Because I just want to, I always want Patrick to have to throw away his gut shots. He might move in with his gut shots, though. But maybe not if we go big, big. Maybe I mean, not how if we, big do you want to like go? Like pot size, like 190. I'm not saying I actually would do this. I'm just, oh, I want to explore it. Because it's a board with so many straight draws and stuff. Yeah. And the majority of them are gut shots. Yeah. Like, they're often not folding on, yeah. the, uh, on the flop. That's so true. if we make it 190, like maybe he just folds those. Maybe. Which is great. That's true. That would be really nice. I mean, we block a lot of them with the eight in our hand, but still, he, he has plenty that he could have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I kind of like huh. going big, big because of that. Like, It would suck for him to just raise. Well, yeah, that's the obvious downside. That's a real downside. I mean, him calling isn't great either, by the way. Speaking of downsides, anything where he doesn't fold is a pretty big downside. Yes, I agree. In fact, him calling may be worse than him raising because if he calls... We may have to put more money in the well, pot. Well, we, we, could, we could decide to shut it down if he calls. Actually, because he's, not, he made a he's not calling with a gut shot or an open-ender, by the way. He's probably shoving an open-ender yeah. and folding his gut shots. Or, yeah, he's not, he's not calling with his gut shots yeah. for sure and probably not his open-enders. Like maybe if he has... He might call once in a while with an open-ender. For 190, if we pot-size it? Um, yeah, if he's sitting there with 7, 8, you think he's going to call? Um, 8, 10, he might call with, thinking his, his 10 is good sometimes. Oh, come on. Like you're, you're just trying to back up a point that you made. You would absolutely never do that. If, I'm, if somebody, about, I'm not talking about what I would do. I'm talking about Patrick. Would you do. wouldn't expect Patrick to do that. I mean, Patrick loves being in position, and he like he thinks Patrick's, he's a really good post flop player. He Patrick may, started the the flop with 495 in his stack. He's yeah. gonna just call 190 with 10 no, high. He's absolutely not 495. That's it. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, he can't do that. No, of course not. No, he's moving in with all his straight draws. So anyway, I feel like I feel like going big is kind of good here as Charlie because of the board. I think if you're gonna bet small. You should really be looking to take another shot down the road at this and not just like bet small once. I'll say that. Like, you know what I mean? Because there's going to be a lot of week one pairs and, and gut shots that are going to call and things like that if we bet smallish and straight draws that are going to call. Right? Yeah. So I think we're going to need to have a plan to bet again most of the time. Obviously, the board can run out badly, but most of the time. Anyway, Charlie goes small. How much? 65K. Oh, real small. Into He's 190. Like, I hope you just have nothing at all. Yeah. I hope you have king five, not king six. Right. Then you might fold. Although Patrick might call, you know, like we've I seen know. him do stuff like that. So Patrick with bottom pair, Jack nine, six, Patrick is King six, Charlie, of course, eight high and backdoor stuff, but not much. Uh, Patrick decides to call. That seems like a pretty obvious decision there. I don't see how he could do anything else. Yeah. Pot's now 320 K. I mean, I guess he could move in just to deny equity and, and not fold later. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess you could do that. It's not the end of the world, but I prefer a call. Yeah, I do too. 320K in the pot. Patrick's got 460 remaining in his stack. The turn is the five of hearts, which uh, gives Charlie a gut shot. Yeah, that's something. That is something. Um, Charlie decides to check, which is kind of strange, considering that he has eight high and he picked up equity. I understand that seven, eight got there, but Patrick's probably raising that a fair amount on the flop anyway, right? Yeah, I think he is. Um, it's possible Charlie's looking to check raise. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, assuming... Patrick has what, though, that he decided to call and then bet the turn? Any one pair hand, basically. And actually, how about straight draws, too? Just straight draws, like gut shots. And I stuff just like feel that. like those are going to raise a lot on the flop. 
When you bet 60,000, he might call with his gut shots sometimes. I mean, the pot is very valuable no matter what Charlie I understand, bets. But he may not always be raising those. Maybe not. He can't raise all of them. Otherwise, no. it's too easy for Charlie to call with everything. That's he true. Can't. That's true. And it's so cheap, and he's in position. He's going he's gonna to call with them, and he's going to bet those every time Charlie checks the turn, right? Like, Patrick can have a lot of floats when it's that cheap on the flop, even when he's short, because it's only two blinds on the flop, right? He can just call and see what Charlie does on the turn and try and take it away if every time Charlie checks. So, yeah, I, think it's, I don't think it's impossible. All right. Well, so do you like the check by Charlie? I only like the check if we're check raising. Otherwise, Otherwise, I think we should bomb it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like we said, this this board is it hits a lot of hands. Charlie bet sixty five k. Antonius can call with a lot of hands for sixty five k. We should probably try to get him off of those hands when we have eight high. Right. Seems reasonable. This is one of those hands. This is a pretty good candidate hand to yeah. get to get him to a fold. six. Yeah, for sure. We bet one hundred and ninety five on the turn. We're basically putting him all in. We're effectively feels like for Patrick's point of view that we're committing him to the to the pot, and Patrick has to decide is he actually sticking around. You know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to do that with a six. Well, what should Antonius do when he's checked to? Again, the board is Jack nine six five rainbow. Well, there's a second heart now. Um, yeah, I think I think what Antonius is supposed to do is think about six. how likely is Charlie to bluff the river if we check back because right? we want him to bluff the river, right? Um, if we check, we're checking to induce and to hopefully hero on most rivers, right? If we bet, we're doing it to shut out equity and win this very important pot to us. Yeah. I don't hate a bet at all. I think it's fine to bet here and just try and win right now. Do you think we have to call if Charlie shoves no, if we bet? I don't. Do okay. you? No. But if you want Charlie to check shove 8-4, he's going to have a lot of check shoves that yeah. we have but, a lot of equity well, against. Th- well, if we think Charlie's going to be super bluffy, then we should not. Then I think we should probably either bet with the intention of calling or check with the intention of calling a lot of rivers. I think it's fine to check. If we're not sure, I think it's fine to check and be planning on heroing a lot. What do we think Charlie would do if he had a 9 or a jack? I think if Charlie had a jack, he'd probably bet again. Okay. I think if he had a 9... How much is in the pot now? That's uh, three twenty and Patrick and has four sixty. Four sixty. Charlie might just bet again with a nine because he feels like they're getting it in anyway. If like Patrick has him, he has him. Like he's not going to fold on this sort of wet 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 a board. I don't think. Yeah, Do you agree with that. Like, are you going to bet full the nine? You can't bet full the nine. You can check call a nine, but you yeah. can't bet. So if you're going to bet a nine, you got to call it off. So maybe. So the question is, this goes to your question though, right? Like, how's Charlie going to play a nine? Right? Yeah, is he going to? He might check a nine. He might. But he also might just give up a lot with a lot of his other hands if he's raising everything from the small blind. True. The five does complete some things, but... Not too much. Not too much. Very little. Anyway, Antonio decides to check it back. Okay. I'm fine with that, especially when you're Patrick and you read everyone perfectly, basically. Yeah, because you're a male model. And because you have that prof- ability. Professional tennis player also. They have that ability. It's like double reading ability. He's like a speed reader. Do you think Patrick was more known for his serve or his backhand when he was playing tennis? Wow. Oh, I thought you were going to say when he was a male model. Oh, snap. That was so sick. That was really good. Um, I would guess he was more known for his backhand because he's a Finn. Yeah, he's Finnish. Yeah. The Finnish don't have good serves. Not good serves. That's kind of known. And I don't mean to be regionalist, but everyone knows that. It's true. They teach that in, in class here in America. Tennis, tennis class. <laughs> tennis class. One of the prerequisites to get into ninth grade tennis class. Yeah. All right. Quick spell tennis. Go. Ah, shit. Um, starts with a T. Yes. I. Nope. No. Thanks for, thanks oh, for joining us. It's a vowel. It's a vowel. <laughs> it is a vowel. 
Tan is <laughs> Tin is. I want to play Tannis now. Tannis. That sounds fun. It's like tennis with a huge ball. <laughs> is that what it is? I think so. Huh. I think it's like a uh, like a screen a sunscreen competition of some sort. Tannis. Yeah. Because make things tawny. A sunscreen competition. <laughs> I was for you to notice that I said that. Anyway, sunscreen competition. Still 320k in the pot. It's gone. Check check on the turn. Jack of diamonds, nine of spades, six of hearts. Flop five of hearts on the turn. Charlie Carroll has eight four. He picked up a gut shot on the turn. Decided to check anyway. Yeah. Patrick Antonius has flopped bottom pair with king six. Decided to check back. Yeah. Just see what happens on the river. Sure. Which is the deuce of diamonds. Quite a brick. What do you think Charlie should do now? I mean, I guess I think Charlie should bet. Like, Patrick probably has a little something-something. He probably would have bet a straight draw on the turn, so he probably has a made hand of some sort, but it's unlikely to be very strong. It's probably not a jack. It's probably not a jack. He would have raised that on the flop or bet that on the turn, almost always, right? Yeah. So I think we should try and push him off his weaker-ass shit. He could have, like... um, It's hard for him to have, like, 5-7. It is hard. pretty tough. You, you expect he raised that if he were to continue. It's such in the a flop. weak. It's the weakest of the gutters, right? Yeah. So it's hard for him to have fives, which is problematic. Like we'd love to knock him off a five. So the question is, can we knock him off a nine? Right? If we don't think we can knock him off a nine, we probably shouldn't bet. If we yeah. think we can knock him off a nine, we should. Can we knock Patrick off a nine? And what's it going to take to do it? Well, Charlie thinks he can, and he does what you, I think you have to do if you think you want to have a shot at knocking him off flop middle pair and he bets 460k goes all in i will say i think a normal bet here will not get a nine to no it will not a normal bet might get a six to fold but a normal bet probably won't get a nine to fold yeah i don't know the story is just a little too weak for a nine to fold and the nine seem like do you really have me i call like show me i guess i lose i know i lose sometimes but when charlie shoves i mean he's he's probably going to be a guy he's a very good player who's going to have some balance here he he might have some over pairs and hands like that that he would play like this um he might that's true but he might not have that many because Patrick looks pretty weak. Yeah. Patrick doesn't... We, we've already determined Patrick ne- almost never has a jack and doesn't have probably that many strong nines for lots of reasons. So it's weird for an overpair to decide to shove instead of better, more normal amount to try and get called by a nine. I agree. I agree. And I think the story is a bit odd that yeah. Charlie's telling here. And, and I think Charlie's trying to tell a story to... To the new age poker people, not to Patrick Antonius. He's, he's saying, okay, when I bet this much, you have to call with this part of your distribution, mm-hmm. and that means it's going to get through more. Right. But Patrick doesn't really give a shit about that, I don't think. I don't think he's so. He just, like, stares at you and destroys you. Right. And he's like, ah, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do it. So, I, you lose. Right. So Timothy, Charlie- Timothy Adams, thanks for $20,000, Timothy right, Adams. exactly. Because I stared at you. Yeah, this is from about a month and a half yeah. ago, and we did. Um, so, yeah, so while Patrick's considering what to do, the commentators are Lex Veldhaus and Jeff Gross. And Lex, at one point, they're, they're sort of saying, can he really call here? And Lex says, I don't even want to say that this, this, might, that this, would be a, a, like, this might be a call because I don't want to take away from the sickness of it if he actually makes it. This would be such a sick call. Yeah. You know? It's kind of neat that there's that level of like, respect right? And f- like, from the booth even, from two guys who are like, you know, play pretty high, high stuff, especially Jeff Gross. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think, I think the story doesn't make much sense from Charlie. Like, he's just saying, I have a monster hand, and I expect that you have a hand that can call. Yeah, right? those two things don't go together right. based on the hand very often. If Patrick bets the turn, 
and Charlie check raises all in, okay. Yeah. Now Charlie can have a monster hand. So it's a weird line for Charlie to take when it goes when it goes this way for him to have a monster. You just expect him to bet less. That's that said, I can understand how Charlie arrived at his decision to do this. Like mm-hmm. I don't really know if I if I agree with his check on the turn, but once we're here on the river, and you're thinking, okay, Antonio's check back. He usually has a little piece of it instead of a draw. Right. So if I want to try to win this hand, which I do because I have eight high, and I'm supposed to try to win the hand when I have eight high most of the time, right? Like at least some of the time. Yeah. In a spot like this where where my opponent's stack is at risk, it feels like a time to try to win when you have nothing. Uh, how? What's the best way to go about that? And it seems like shoving is probably the best way to go about that. I It's hard to disagree. And we can also eliminate certain hands from Patrick's range. Like, Patrick almost never has ace-9. He almost never has king-9. He almost right? never has a jack. Right. But I'm, but like, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming he doesn't have very, almost any jacks. But, like, we can also eliminate the best nines from Patrick's range, too. So we can sit there and say, well, if we have ace-9... Maybe we're going to make, once in a while, we, we can make sort of a super sick move in here. True. With king nine or ace nine and try and get heroed. Um, now, I don't know if we'd actually do that as Charlie. Maybe Charlie would. But, like, we could feel pretty confident that that's a reasonable play, you know? Because, Pat, like, if we have king nine, unless Patrick played a jack really weird. Yeah. Uh, like, we're ahead. Or unless he rivered us somehow. Like, we're just ahead. Like, king nine is not the nuts, but it's not super far away from it, effectively. Right? Sure. So, I mean, that's so, so in theory, Charlie's value range could be widened here. But the question is, would he actually go all in to try and get called by, these, by this weaker range of Patrick's? And I just don't know that he would actually do that. I don't know. He might. Charlie's a pretty sick player. Yeah. I mean, there's a leveling war always. So yeah. it's always hard to really know what people are doing and why. Yeah. Um, if Charlie, but, and this is why, if Charlie's up against the newfangled, more GTO type person, they're going to use distribution and they're going to find a bunch of folds with hands like the hand that Patrick has. Yeah. Like they're not going to have a six. Well, let's, let's talk about that okay. um, because we've talked from Charlie's perspective and recognize that this story is kind of bad, but if you're going to try to bluff, this is probably the way to do it. Yeah. So from Antonius's perspective, if we're Patrick Antonius, of course we're assessing the story and we're like, I don't know, kid. I don't know if that makes too much sense. But the other piece of it is distribution. I don't know if Antonius is even considering that. I imagine he's aware of it. Uh, I, don't, I just don't know if he's using it to make decisions too often. Uh, he might be. He might think to himself some version of, I would have raised or bet all my straight draws on the flop or the turn. I would have bet a jack on the turn. I would have bet a nine, some of my nines on the turn. King yeah. six is actually one of the best hands I show up with. It's possible. It's he possible could, it is. He says that to himself. Like, maybe he checks back nines. If he checks back nines, it changes it's really things. different, right? Yeah. But, but, but he may not be using distribution anyway, King like six, you're saying. But it, it really, so, like, we, we have to know more about his preflop stuff and his turn betting stuff. Like, if he's checking back nines in the turn, it's a fold distribution-wise, very likely. If he's betting nines in the turn, it's probably a call because it's one of the best sixes. Maybe the best six he can show up with. Right. It's actually, it might be the best hand he can show up with um, from a made hand that doesn't have some super weird, like, That's not he six deuce it. suited or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, you can have six five, but no, those are yeah. No, but six five is the turn, right? Yeah, you yeah, probably, probably bet the turn. Yeah, um, yeah. So distribution wise, maybe actually it is, but that doesn't look like what's going on. Watching Patrick, he takes a long time. He's staring at Charlie the whole time. It doesn't look like he's trying to like. I watch some of these other players, myself included, like in these spots, and like I look at the other player. I may talk to the other player, but I spend a lot of time like in my own head trying to figure out. What's the pot size? Yeah. You know, what, what's the price am I getting? What, where does this fall in my distribution? What was the story again? What, what's going on? You know, how, am I getting exploited if I fold or not? Blah, so on and so forth, right? Um, do I have any blockers? Uh, it doesn't look like he's doing too much of that. It looks like he's just looking at Charlie. 
trying to pick something up on him. Like, do you want me to call or not? Right. So it's Which possible is like old that, school shit. No, this is all just uh, very much a guess because it's possible yeah. that Patrick is using distribution. Of course. Significantly. Of course it is. But my perception of the situation and of how Patrick plays is that he's more of an old school guy and that he definitely is like he's elite, if not the best at like uh, kind of breaking down a story that somebody's telling and mm. being like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, like he's great at that. So that's, that's part one for him. Sure. And part two is the physical stuff. And I don't know if Charlie's giving anything away because Charlie is a good, he's, he's like, although he's young, he's in his twenties, maybe late twenties, but still twenties. He is definitely one of the young guys who still cares about the live poker stuff. He does a lot of verbal stuff oh, yeah. and does a lot of, you know, he tries to manipulate the way people react to him. Kind of like Negreanu almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he's a guy who's going to be super easy to get stuff off of. But if anybody can, maybe it's Patrick Antonius. I don't know. I will say I feel like the young guys, younger guys, and I guess Timothy Adams has been around for a while, so maybe he's not a good example of this, but he fits in this. So maybe it's not the younger guys. But the really good, a lot of the really good players have swung from this massive overbet thing, yeah. always being the nuts, basically, to now it's like they never have it anymore. <laughs> like Timothy Adams raises huge or bets huge on the river and never has it. Right. I've seen Charlie Carroll do this multiple times. We did this against Liv Marie in uh, the Poker Stars cash game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Where she, and she actually ultimately called with like top pair medium kicker. Like, correctly. It wasn't Charlie getting just destroyed in that game and then he came all the way back? I don't, I don't know. I, don't, yeah. I didn't see it all. I just saw that hand. Um, like, so like Bryn Kenny certainly will put massive pressure on you. Sure. You know? So... I think it's possible now, like you're supposed to call against this bet when in the old days you were never supposed to call against. You're supposed to fold like top, top against this bet snap. And now you're supposed to like call with like bottom pair sometimes against <laughs> yeah. because they like kind of never have it. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to have it sometimes, but they're going to they have it way less than they used to. So much less that we have to consider calling just all the time against the really good players. Well, Antonius does call. Yes, he makes the call. I think it's because of the story. Like Antonius is just like, I don't care how bad my hand actually is. Like, would you really play a Jack like this, Charlie Carroll? Right. I don't think you'd play a Jack like this. Would you really play a nine like this? I don't think you'd play a nine like this. Right. So, which, is, which is fair. Would you really have an overpair? Would you play it like this? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, by the way, one thing we didn't talk too much about is should Charlie be even trying to bluff this river? Yeah. Like, we get to this river and I understand I was saying like when we bet the flop, um, we should be thinking about betting twice. But when we actually get here and Patrick checks back the turn, Patrick has something. And he's not the type of guy who likes to fold. And we're not going to be able to tell a good story if we try and put pressure on him to fold, as we see. And he's the guy who sniffs out bad stories. He's the guy who sniffs it out. So maybe we should just be giving up, even though it feels like, really, we're just going to give up here. We're just going to check out of position and shut on eight high. It's the kind of thing where, like, if we we check and Patrick checks back, which I think he would, maybe he'd try and get value out of ace high, but probably he'd just check back. We'd see the hands were like, oh my god! Like the, the pot was there for the taking. Yeah, like we'd actually, if we were Charlie, probably think we were going to win that pot. All right. you do is move in. Like we always win. In fact, nope, there's no way to win this pot, Charlie. Once once you check the turn, there's no way to win. There's nothing you can do. I don't think. What if he bet sixty k? Well, it's much more interesting if he bets small. Yeah, if he I bets, if if Charlie bets sixty k on the river. How about 100K even? 100K. You know, just a nice normal bet. 120K. Oh, that's small still, but... Right, but it's like a value-y bet. Yeah. Now he has nines again, right? Yeah. Now he has nines and weak jacks and two tens and two eights. Maybe, I don't know if he has two eights. Maybe, though, when Patrick checks back, he even has two eights. I doubt it. Um, I don't know. But, but it's reasonable to bet two eights, because if you check, Patrick's betting his nine. Yeah. And you're calling with the two eights, right? So betting your two eights means, you know, you get value from worse hands... 
that you wouldn't get value from. Now, you, you miss out on the bluff opportunities, but Patrick's probably going to bluff the turn anyway when he doesn't have anything. He's usually rarely going to check it back. So he's got a made hint. So I don't think betting two eights is insane or even two sevens. Um, I think it's okay to bet those trying to get called by exactly a six. Uh, but, you know, but that's if you bet small. So then I don't know what Patrick does with King Six. He probably calls anyway for the distri- yep. because of the distribution, and he looks through Charlie's soul and all that stuff, and he's getting a great price. And we, we might be, if he bet tiny and Patrick snapped him off, we might be saying, you have to go all in if you're going to do this. I think, we, I think we story. would be. I think we would like, be. You can't just bet this tiny amount. We know he has a made hand, which we kind of do, which is why I kind of like giving up. Yeah, I get it. I, it think, just, I think I like giving it up. Hurts, it hurts the soul to give up with the eight high. We just really needed... A, some different cards to come in, you know? We needed, like, an ace or a king, although a king wouldn't have worked out, or a queen, even a 10, something that would, like, help us, like, tell a story that makes more sense than this, which just makes nothing, against a guy who makes a living off of people telling bad stories. Yeah. Well, he doubled up. Yep, nice job, Patrick. Good for Patrick. You know what Patrick said after he doubled up? Uh... Something about a separation. Consider this a separation.